Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Hi, my name is Stephen Evans, and I'm a senior global supply chain management major at Ryder University, and I'm a student-to-be graduate. You're listening to the new Warehouse Podcast. My safety tip for within a warehouse would be to always look where you're going. This is one of the most basic safety tips when you're in a warehouse, but it's something that's easy to forget when you're walking around corners very quickly or going across hallways and forklifts can be very dangerous. So always make sure to look where you're going. Fulfillment demand continues to skyrocket and outpace available labor. To keep up, warehouse operators are turning to flexible fulfillment solutions like Six River Systems. Utilizing Six River Systems' award-winning combination of collaborative robots, artificial intelligence, and operational expertise will make your associates and wall-to-wall fulfillment workflow more efficient. No new infrastructure, no change to warehouse layout, easy to deploy and scale, easy to train and retain associates, all at half the cost of traditional automation. Want to take your fulfillment operation to the next level? Level? Go to www.sixriver.com to learn more. That's www.sixriver.com to learn more. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawn with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. Uh, this is a, a special episode. Uh, today's guest, I've actually been mentoring he's a he's a student uh i've been mentoring him for like the last the past academic year uh 2020 to 2021 um he is a global supply chain management major um at my alma mater actually Ryder university uh soon to graduate this year in 2021 uh soon to be on the on the market looking for a, a supply chain position actually uh his name is steven evans and i had him on the show because he actually did this great uh, thesis talking about waste in the supply chain, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. So he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, his, his experience as, as a student in the pandemic and also talk to us about his, his thesis and a little bit about how that waste occurs and how we can kind of combat that um, as supply chain professionals, um, especially on the on the warehouse side of things as well. So, Stephen, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Thank you, Kevin. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to have you on. We've been, uh, you know, growing our relationship over over the last year um, through this mentorship program with uh, Apex. Uh, people don't know I'm a, on the board of the Apex uh, Princeton Region South Jersey chapter in New Jersey, um, which uh, I find a lot of great value in, and we've been able to 
to create this mentorship program uh, launched just this this past academic year, actually. And, and Stephen is my first uh, protege slash mentee in the program, and he's uh, he's a great kid. So so definitely happy to have him on. So uh, Stephen, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know your experience as a global supply chain major at Ryder, and you know how that experience has kind of kind of been, I guess, leading up to the pandemic and now you know, going through the pandemic and, and getting ready to, to graduate in May. Sure. And uh, I also wanted to mention, thank you so much for being my mentor. It's been a great experience and I've learned a lot from you. It's helped me search for jobs as I'm approaching graduation. <laughs> thank um, you. I, I didn't pay him to say that, by the way. So, thank you, thank you. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, so as everyone says, uh, the four years of the bachelor, like not everyone does it in four years, but I'm probably graduating after four years of college. And just like everyone says, it goes by very fast. And uh, the first two and a half years were like in-person classes. And then obviously COVID hit, the whole pandemic hit and socially distancing, distancing happened uh, last March. And then the re- we finished out the semester all online, everyone at home, no one was allowed on campus. So that was definitely a big transition. It was a big transition for everyone. Mm-hmm. But as a student, I could say my, my perspective, uh, some things actually have gotten easier. I would say um, this these last two semesters um, have been easier in a way with classes that are um, asynchronous that don't meet at a certain time every week. Um, Because when it was in person, every class had to meet like twice or three times a week, depending on when it was. Now a lot of professors for certain classes will just provide the materials. You may provide video lectures and you do it on your own time. Hmm. So it allows more flexibility. And I feel like that kind of is like more like the workplace because you're expected to get your job done, but how and when you do it, as long as it's by the deadline, right. um, it's it's fair game. So I feel like in a way it has been easier, but definitely I do miss uh, the human aspect of it, uh, mm. just walking to class, getting outside more. Um, so there's pros and cons, but I understand like going into the workforce soon that a lot of companies will still be virtual uh, by by this summer. So uh, it's good that all of us are getting used to it and understanding how to work in this type of environment. Yeah, interesting. And you have an interesting point there um, where you mentioned that, you know, you, you kind of, it's kind of preparing you in a, in a different way for the work world where it's not like this necessarily fully structured thing. Of like, this is when you do this type of work. This is when you do this type of work. You kind of got to figure it out and be, and be responsible for it, for it on your own. So that's actually actually pretty pretty good uh insight there I, ne- I never thought about it in that way um so how how's it been i'm curious like you know obviously you said you missed the the in-person aspect of things but how has it been like staying connected with like your fellow supply chain uh peers like at, at school it's uh it's been different of course but yeah. it's not too hard because of all the capabilities we have with the internet um obviously like I'm involved with the uh, Rider Supply Chain Association, which is involved in Apex, which is why I'm here today. But um, (laughs) so this year it hasn't been too hard because of the email communication, the Zoom meetings that we've been having. So that part of it hasn't been too hard. We're still able to connect. Mm -hmm. But I do really miss the, the, 
one of the main reasons I enjoyed the uh, supply chain association was that we were able to go visit different warehouses and uh, oh, yeah. factories and facilities. Like uh, before the pandemic, we were able to see the Amazon uh, fulfillment center. We were able to see Simon and Schuster, which I know you've worked at before. Right. Yeah. Uh, we went to ETS. <laughs> there were a few other places in that. That was really fun. It, it felt like you're in an episode of how it's made, seeing like yeah. the whole, how everything works. So I do miss that part of it. We're not able to do that during the pandemic, but almost everything else, I feel like we haven't lost the connection with the group um, mm-hmm. because of the capabilities we have uh, meeting virtually. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious how that is. Cause a lot of, um, you know, at least uh, when I was there at Ryder, like a lot of the, the experience was being able to connect with like the fellow students to, and, you know, be involved in different programs and events and things like that. So, so it's interesting to see how you guys have, have pivoted. Um, and I know, you know, the people over and the students, uh, fellow students over at the uh, supply chain association there at Ryder. And, you know, they've done a good job, I think of like, trying to still do things virtually as well mm-hmm. um so definitely interesting to hear um about your experience you know we've had a couple uh professors on the show too and they've told us from their end too so it's interesting to hear from a student's perspective as well um so now i, w- I want to talk a little bit about your your thesis because i think it's it's a pretty interesting topic um and certainly something that's a, a huge discussion i think for for a long time um, about, you know, waste in the supply chain, um, which kind of coincides with, you know, sustainability in the supply chain and how do we become, you know, better stewards of the environment as, as corporate entities and things of that nature. So, so your thesis is called too much or not enough finding the balance between waste and shortages in the supply chain. Um, So I'm curious, where did you get the idea for the thesis from and where, where did you get like kind of the the overall concept what what made you go in that direction sure well um so something that got me interested in supply chain in the first place was when i was a produce clerk at Shoprite. before i even came to college i was uh experiencing um or just being able to see uh how products get where they are when they need to be there at a certain time. Mm. Um, but it's something that you don't really think of, or not everyone thinks about until you're doing it. So I had uh, the simple task of putting fruits and vegetables out uh, so that customers can buy them. But uh, the more you do that, you're wondering like, oh, how the people who order these products each week or however often they're ordered, uh, how do they know exactly how much to get? And so a bunch of it doesn't go to waste or that they won't have enough. Uh, especially considering that like ShopRite or many other grocery stores have constant sales. So you need to take that into account. So it was just something I was thinking about while I was working there. And then, uh, I don't know, I got more interested in the back end of how things get to where they need to be, which is what supply chain is all about. Right. So when you're thinking about a company that deals with perishable goods, um, there's another question of not only how do I have enough stuff, but how do I not have too much stuff Mm. that that's just sitting there and could go bad. So I actually had a great experience at a company called Arla foods. I had an internship there last summer and then it was actually extended 
uh, into my fall semester. And a lot of what I learned there went into my thesis paper, uh, how I learned what a demand planner does and how they do it. Uh, basically it's a thankless task because it's, <laughs> you're almost always wrong. Like you're never going to be a hundred percent correct. Yeah. And what goes into that or how accurate you can get the demand planning forecast to be is pretty much how you can find that balance between the waste and shortages. But anyway, when I was coming up with the idea for the thesis, I was thinking about that Arla foods, they produce like dairy products, cheese, how do they make sure that all of those products don't go bad while they're sitting there, but also have enough to sell to their customers? So that's kind of how I came up with the concept of, oh, how am I like I should research what goes into that and get quotes from people in the industry of uh, really focusing on waste. But then the other side of it, how do you not have shortages if you're only making a minimal amount and not produce waste? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a an interesting point there is that, you know, and I, I thought that was interesting in your thesis too when I read it was, you know, there is a, a difficult balance uh, where, you know, you want to be the best, I guess, steward of the environment that you can be, but then at the same time, uh, you want to make sure you have enough to meet the demand of your customers uh, because if you can't meet the demand of your customers, then you know, you may not even last that long to be to be a, a steward of the environment or, or keep the company going, right? Because you need you need your customer sales to, to keep things really going in the revenue. Um, but then at the same time, you also don't want to be be short. So so it is it is a difficult balance. And I know in my experience, you know, you've looked at you know metrics like inventory health. You know, where are we right in line with the the forecast and what's supposed to be in terms of how much inventory we're holding? Um, and it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting you, you, you're already, um, I've recognized that, you know, being a demand planner is a little, a little thankless, uh, of a job. So, um, and I think a lot of, a lot of aspects in, in supply chain sometimes, sometimes are, uh, people don't, don't really recognize, uh, supply chain people in the organization until, uh, something stops working in the supply chain actually. So, so be prepared for that as you as you enter the workforce. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think now you know with the pandemic, like uh, supply chain is actually becoming like like cool and like more visible to like the the average uh, public, I guess. So so be interesting to see how that if that continues to be or, or supply chain becomes more more recognized in a sense. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I was sorry. I was going to yeah. mention that. Uh, a lot of people like throughout my four years here as a supply chain manager um, or a supply chain manager major, I, whenever people ask what my major is, sometimes I have to explain what supply chain is or what logistics yeah. is. It wasn't a common term, but since the pandemic started, a lot more people have heard the terms logistics and supply chain. So I agree it's uh, becoming a more well-known term and uh, field. Well, yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting to hear actually. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, especially like in the beginning with like the, the whole toilet paper shortage, right? We're talking about shortages. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, people were like on the news talking about like, why is there no toilet paper? And it's cause like, you know, the supply chain. So, so it's pretty interesting. Um, so, so the other thing, you know, when I was reading through your thesis, I think one of the initial things that really stood out to me, 
uh, was you had, uh, I think it was a quote in there um, that you put it, it was 40% of food waste in North America is caused by supply chain inefficiency. So, so I'm curious when you were doing your research for this, um, you know, what, what did you think when, when you read that and kind of what did you, what did you feel almost? I mean, cause that's pretty, pretty big number. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think like, um, like most people, I think it's really a shame and it's mm-hmm. something that motivates me to, that motivated me to write this thesis uh, because I really do hate seeing food or anything going to waste. It yeah. seems like there's always someone that could need it, but whatever they need is not where they need it. And that's the problem. That's why it goes to waste because it costs money to transport it uh, or to store it. Uh, And I, like I mentioned, I've worked in a few different grocery stores and then I could actually see firsthand how much food is getting wasted or just uh, that I need to throw out that I'm being told to throw out. Uh, Even if it does, it's not like completely bad. It might just not be aesthetically pleasing to the consumer. Uh, For example, like bananas that are slightly brown, they're still good. They're still edible or could be used for baking or anything, but it's not really easy to sell them. And then for the company, it doesn't make sense to hold on to them because if they're not going to make money on it, then they're wasting money holding it. So uh, yeah, I, I think about the 40% food waste, like a lot of it is you can't really control what consumers waste once they buy the, the, what, whatever product it is. So most of my thesis, uh, actually all my thesis doesn't focus on like after the consumer purchases the product, it's mm. the supply chain up until then. So I do think a big portion of that 40% number is what happens after the consumer buys it, whether they let the food go bad or they just don't decide not to eat all of it. But um, to a certain extent, you can control what waste happens within the supply chain before the consumer gets gets the product. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And I think it's... I think it's interesting too that you drawing from your experience as you know, uh, and you know some of your first first jobs there in the, in the grocery store as well. And I, I know through our talks, I think you mentioned earlier here as well that you know that kind of triggered your your interest in supply chain, just curiosity of like where how is it getting to the shelf? You know, you're kind of the you're kind of maybe the last, uh, well, not quite the last, but almost the last uh, link in the in the supply chain there is when you're stocking the shelf. So, so yeah, so definitely interesting and and a staggering percentage, definitely. So, so you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, with that being said, you know, there's, there's a lot of impact that you could uh, potentially make in your in your supply chain career, right there. So, mm-hmm. um, but i'm curious you know as, as you're doing your research um uh, as you're looking into this and and you know i'm saying overall the broad concept of the thesis is, is waste but it's, it's really focused in on, on food waste which i think is a is a good thing to focus in on because that has the most if we can uh, reduce food waste i mean we're making a huge impact not just like on companies operating more efficiently but uh, I think just on the overall, you know, need to get food into into certain uh, corners of the of the world, our country, anywhere um, where maybe there's food shortages. So it's kind of crazy that you think that you know forty percent of the food waste is is generating from these supply chain inefficiencies when when you hear that there's all these you know issues of hunger and things like that as well. Um, so there's a lot we could do um, from a supply chain perspective to, to kind of help with that probably. 
Um, so, so I'm curious in your research, you know, where, where do you think the most waste uh, occurs within the supply chain? We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Sure. Like, so uh, a lot of these percentages I found on supplychaindrive.com. So I think the data was from a couple of years ago, so it's not exactly accurate for right now. But as of a couple of years ago, uh, it says about 61% of food waste occurred at the consumer level. But as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, my thesis didn't really focus on that because there's not much you can do to convince people uh, how to handle the product after they right. purchase it. But uh, that being said, like 7% of food waste is created at the distribution and market level. 9% is created at the processing level and 6% is created at the handling and storage level. And 17% is created at the production level. Mm. So definitely uh, the production level of supply chain and uh, food supply chain specifically is where a lot of the inefficiency is taking place. Yeah, interesting. And uh, so, you know, you said in there, I think it's 7% is happening on the, the distribution side, right? So that would be like mm-hmm. the, the warehousing side of things. And, um, you know, obviously we're on we're on the new warehouse, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the warehouse side of things and focus on that. So, so I know uh, just, you know, working in a warehouse in general, uh, there's so much packaging and things of that nature, and there's there's a lot of waste that occurs, um, just in general. Um, but you know, on the food waste side of things, um, happens as well. You talk a lot about, uh, the, basically the spoilage of items and, you know, not being able to keep it past a certain, uh, manufacturer date or sell by date. Um, so how do you think that, you know, cause your thesis looks also at, you know, ways to try and reduce, the waste so so how do you think on the warehouse side of things how do you think we can work on reducing that waste Mm -hmm. so yeah the storage level uh at the on the warehouse side of the supply chain uh the main waste related issue is having too large of an inventory Mm. holding those products that won't be able to sell because they pass the mlor date or the uh, expiration best by date um, so the question is, how do you narrow down and not hold on to those products or sell the products before yeah. they're going to go bad? So one way to eliminate this waste risk is by like regularly creating accurate demand forecasts, like I mentioned mm-hmm. before, which is a very hard thing to do. But there's there's ways to make the forecasts more accurate uh, because the goal of this process is to strike a balance between having enough inventory to cover the orders while not having an excess surplus that will surpass the MLOR date and waiting to be sold off. Mm. 
another great way is um, collaborating with information, using all the information that an organization has to add to the demand plan or the demand plan. Um, for example, a way to uh, collaborate between companies is if uh, I use an example in my thesis of if a toy company regularly sells to Walmart, but they're unaware of any sales or promotions that Walmart is planning in the coming weeks or months, then uh, the toy company will not be able to properly prepare for the higher orders because they don't know there'll be an influx of sales. But if the if the toy com or if Walmart regularly shares information with the toy company, either through a system like EDI, which is electronic data interchange, or other forms of communication, then the toy company can be better prepared to fulfill Walmart's orders. Um, so communicating between these two companies in different industries will be helpful for both companies because Walmart doesn't want to have shortages on a product that they're promoting and they have a sale on. Mm -hmm. And obviously the toy company doesn't want to short the uh, short Walmart and not have enough product to give them. Uh, and lastly, another way to help out the warehouse is uh, getting um, just in time. Like JIT is a term we learned in school. Right. And uh, that's basically the concept of having the product ready to be sold and distributed right as it's being right as the demand mm -hmm. happens uh and so getting a company getting as close to just in time uh using eoq which is another concept we learned in school is economic order quantity model uh that would allow you to know how much to order and when i mean obviously again this is easier said than done mm -hmm. but a just in time system if it worked perfectly you would never have any shortages or any waste so getting as close to that concept as possible would be the best, best way to help the warehouse and the supply chain in general by not having too much or too little. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting uh, balance there too, I think, is on the warehouse side of things because you know, oftentimes uh, the, the communication isn't necessarily there. Um, but, you know, like you said, like if you move to these different types of models, you, then you're able to not necessarily have have so much overstock, which a lot of times is what creates a lot of um, inefficiencies in the warehouse in terms of things things getting past the the best buy date and uh, spoilage issues and creating waste overall. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it's a really good point there, um, and I think. Um, you know the overall like you you mentioned you know the example of walmart and the toys and i'll say like from from personal experience you know it's really important to have that that communication um especially on the distribution side as well because um i former company that i worked for um you know they would run like a a sale and they wouldn't say anything like they wouldn't give a heads up um to like the warehouse and so we actually had to like subscribe to the the email newsletter so we would get like a heads up on when there's going to be a sale because if there was a sale it means that you know whatever was on sale like like you mentioned like there's a sale on a toy like it's gonna it's gonna run and there's going to be a lot more purchases than than normal so in the warehouse side of things the same thing like if you know there's going to be a sale then you can prep uh, ahead of time and get get that product like maybe more product uh, 
either in the door or if you had some like you know waiting to be received you can receive it prioritize it um and put it like in a better in a better pick location as well um and things of that nature so so yeah i mean there are really interesting points there um as well and uh, you know the thesis was really really well done um i think on your part and you know i'm curious we just spoke about the warehouse side of things uh so so i guess from from all your research from every, everything you did here uh with the thesis you know what what do you think overall in your personal opinion um from what you learned you know what what do you think is the most impactful action that uh like a supply chain can take to help reduce the waste sure um so i i believe a deep understanding of your company based on the data that it has and that it collects will enable the company to make the right decisions when it comes to reducing waste uh, like, for example, if you know what product sells the most, you can count on there being more of that product in your warehouse. Uh, other products might require a certain amount of safety stock, especially if the demand for that product tends to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Um, but efficiency in supply chains is increased by analyzing the data that you have and using it to your advantage. And this is where uh, demand planners can increase that percentage of accuracy uh, using all the data you have and uh considering those things like uh, sales and promotions that you would need more inventory, you need more product ready to be shipped out during that time, but you need to know that in advance. So really the collaboration between companies and uh, analyzing the data that you have. And uh, because it's not always, not every product is as simple as, okay, this company purchases uh a hundred boxes of pencils every month. So we're ready with that amount. Uh, Not every product is that easy, especially when it's products that can expire. Um, So definitely using as much data as you have uh, to make as accurate of a demand forecast as you can. I think that's the best way to find that balance between uh, shortages and waste. Yeah, yeah, interesting uh, idea there, and I, I think that's I think that's a, a true statement as well. You know, I think that finding a balance, and and I think you said the keyword there is, co- is collaboration. I think really to help reduce uh, waste, there needs to be a lot of collaboration between not only um, you know your your vendors and your external. Um, uh, partners, but also internally as well throughout your different departments, um, especially when you're looking at all the different steps in the supply chain. Basically, you know, you want to make sure that uh, everything is flowing through as best as possible and that there's no point in which which these products can get get hung up um, and then, you know, take take more time, especially when we're talking about food um like more time away from it being being on the shelf and potentially getting to to consumers you know and when you have the the food or something that can spoil you know it's 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 a shame that it it can go to waste even before it it has a chance to be in the consumer's hands um so as much as you can reduce the the inefficiency there of at least you know getting it to the shelf in the first place uh, i think is, is a big step forward so so steven it's been really interesting uh talking to you about your your thesis and i really enjoyed reading it as well um and you know it's been great um having you uh through this this mentor relationship as well 
Um, but I, I'm curious from a student perspective, uh, learning about supply chain in school um, and now kind of getting ready to be in the supply chain world like full on uh, as you start your career. Um, what do you think from, you know, I, I guess a, a younger person's perspective and a student perspective, you know, what do you, what do you think is like, uh, the future of supply chain? Like, what do you see? Maybe what are some of your, you and your peers discussing in terms of like, what, what is the big technology or something that you guys think is, is really interesting? Well, I think based on uh, my couple experiences in internships, mm -hmm. uh, as well as what I've learned in school in the different supply chain classes, uh, I think technology is only going to advance and ERP systems will have been changing. Mm -hmm. And I think they'll get even more advanced. I actually had a class where we talked about blockchain technology a lot. Okay. And I think that will be important with a lot of products, especially perishable goods or products that are recalled often because yeah. if blockchain is implemented into that supply chain, then the consumer will be able to know exactly where that product came from. We even looked at an example of where the blockchain technology was set up so that uh, each individual fish, you would be able to, based on whatever code was associated with that fish, you would know mm. wh where that fish was caught and what from what dock it was transported. So I think uh, that type of technology will be used more and more so that we get a more detailed look at where products are coming from. And I also think from a company's perspective overall, there'll be an emphasis on uh, saving money, obviously, because every company wants to cut costs, yeah. but also uh, an environmental approach. And there's a lot of ways to do better for the environment while also saving money, which is part of my thesis paper mentioned that because uh, if you are trying to uh, reduce waste, mm -hmm. there'll be less things like uh, less CO2 emissions. If there's less transportation, that'll be less uh, harm, less damaging for the environment. So uh, using, using uh, more advanced technology specifically for supply chain, while also focusing on cutting costs and uh, helping the environment, not not damaging the environment any more than we already had. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting uh, insights. Yeah, I was curious, you know, what because uh, I think there's, you know, so many different uh, generations, I guess, involved in the supply chain. So I always find it interesting to see like what the different generations' perspectives are, um, and especially like you know those ones that are just kind of getting involved because they're really the ones that are going to end up, you know, pushing the supply chain space wherever it may go in like the next 10, 20 years or so. Right. Cause you're going to be the, the veteran at that point. So, so it's, it's very interesting. So, so Steven, thank you uh, so much for, for joining me on the, on the podcast. I know we talk regularly, but this is a little, a little different format. Uh, something I don't think you're necessarily used to. So, so you did really well. So, so I appreciate you coming on um, and sharing the student perspective and also talking about your, your thesis, which is a really um, important topic that I think needs to be needs to be discussed uh, more, and not only discussed but uh, acted upon as well. Um, so Stephen will be graduating in May, um, and he, as of right now, 
as we're recording this, he is available on the job market. So if anybody's out there looking for a, a new supply chain uh, analyst or something of that nature, uh, Steven, Steven's your guy. Uh, I would highly recommend him. So Steven, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Give me some uh, time with your thesis. Thank you so much, Kevin. I, I appreciate your interest in the thesis and for having me on your show to be able to talk about it. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.